This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. We have been speaking on several weeks, months really, on authority. And we've come to this section now, talking about authority in the church, specifically violating authority affects lives. Now, I have meditated heavily on what was said on last week. And really, my main concern is that you have clarity. Okay, I just want to make sure that you have clarity. And so sometimes you'll find me uh, saying things I said before. And it's because I want to make sure that it is clear. All right. We are talking about authority in the church. And I want to make sure you understand that we are talking about God's house. Uh, there's a reason why we started there, the beginning of all of this teaching. right? Because what you will find in God's house, again, it amazes me when we go there, and, and hopefully if you have not, you would take your time to read through Second Samuel chapter 7. Uh, what amazes me is David's heart for God. And in all honesty, what I read in God's response to David is, my heart is greater. My desire to do good for you is greater than your desire to do good for me. Which is, again, that, that gets me. This is one reason why I'm not going to go to Second Samuel chapter 7, because if I do, I'm going to spend some time there. Uh, because it is overwhelming to me. The very love of God and the care of God. David wasn't a perfect individual. And neither are we. That's one of the reasons why I love David. David's so much people. And in this being people, God just loved him. And in his revelation to David, it, God reveals further that I've got plans for my people. And in all of his desire, all of God's desire to be good to his people, the pinnacle of his goodness comes in his house. And he establishes his house, and he lets us know his house is established upon his authority. And this is why I want to make sure that this is emphasized to you. We're not talking about American society. American society in this day is departing more and more from the standards of God. I'm not talking about your workplace. And the reason I want to make sure that I say this is because we cannot carry those attitudes regarding our bosses, those who seem to be over us, not in the Lord, and bring those same attitudes in here. And I want you to see it, and we will get to this, but I want you to see the harm you do when you carry those attitudes in here. Which is why one of the, and I really didn't intend this to be so powerful, but, but God had me, just reminded me, you remember the intent of this. The intent of this is so that you might properly value the authority God has established in this house so that you might properly value it. And when I come to Wednesday nights, I know I'm coming to people who are hungry and thirst for righteousness. I know I'm not coming to a bunch of rebellious people as we count rebellion. But even as we visited when Paul spoke to Timothy, there just might be a chink in your armor. There might be something that you think you have a hold of that you don't quite have the hold of, which is why I ask God 
please allow us to see as you would have us to see. Because a lot of times we think we've got everything buttoned up. We've got everything right. There's no room for improvement for us. I come to hear for other people. Amen. Or I come to get my blessing, not to be corrected. Okay, and, and honestly, this is, I, I want to make sure you understand this. The intent of this is that you properly value it because I want you to understand in God's authority is his goodness towards you. His goodness towards you. I, I hear the scriptures say, Paul says it in Ephesians, that God in the ages to come wants to show the exceeding greatness of his grace and his kindness towards you through Jesus Christ. That's what I hear. I, I hear the scriptures say, again, Paul wrote this. He said, know them that labor among you. Know them that labor among you and are over you and admonish you. The same people over you, they also admonish you. And it doesn't always feel good. right? And sometimes because admonishing is behind their responsibility, we don't like it. Can I get an amen? But he goes on to say, know them and highly esteem them. Esteem them highly. Why? For their work's sake. What is their work? They are commissioned by God to deliver what you need and then some to you. So from this, this is why I wanted to talk about the categories of violating authority. Because when we first talk about open and aggressive rebellion, we're like, not me. That is not me. And I, I do agree that for the most part, you won't find this. You will find it, but for the most part, you won't find this. Why? Because some of us got some sins. Right? You won't find them like Korah, Dathan, and Biram just telling Moses, no, what, you, what are you doing? We won't find that kind of attitude among us. Well, let me say that. We won't find that kind of action among us to do that. Right? Uh, we got some home training. So even if our attitude is like that, our home training won't let us be openly rebellious like that. But the other category we talked about was also silent rebellion. We don't have to make a bunch of noise. We just won't cooperate. Now, to the average viewer who sees me at service all the time, I'm in line with everything. But God knows. But God knows. And so you can say yes, but then have no intention. Well, sometimes you might have intentions of doing it, but just won't. Okay? Yeah. That's another type of rebellion. And some of us might say, yeah, okay. Well, I try not, not to have that be me. But the one thing that gets me, and this is one of the things that I think that we have not necessarily concentrated on in times past, is this category, what we call omission. To omit the input of God's line of authority in our lives. And I said, I do remember saying, sometimes I don't know why. I really don't know why. I couldn't comprehend. God corrected me and says, well, remember the intent. 
It's because they don't properly value. Did you hear me? They don't properly value. There's a value attached. Whew. In other words, the preacher is good for something, but not everything in my life. When I'm feeling down, it's good to go to the preacher to make me feel good. But when I really have a hard situation in my life, they can't help me like that. Kind of like Peter on the boat. We've been working all night, but you got a word for us, huh? Nevertheless, that's your word. You know, I'm just going to humor you. I'm going to go out, and I'm going to come up empty. That was, that's not what he said, but that's his attitude. And what happened? Had too many fish to keep in the boat. And he had to repent because he had the wrong value attached to the Lord. You're good for a word here and there. Here's one of the things that really does worry me. Oh, wow. Okay. Ezekiel. My brother's wrong. He said Ezekiel. Ezekiel. I'll find the chapter. Chapter. Chapter 33. This concerns me about the people in the church today, put it that way. I'm concerned that we have an attitude that says we haven't had church if we have not been entertained. We haven't had church if it didn't move me. And so in all honesty, as long as you move me, you're good. But there are certain places where I get to and you can't move me like that, so you're no good. Ezekiel chapter 33, verse, verse 30. Also, this is God speaking, thou son of man, the children of thy people still are talking against thee by the walls and in the doors of the houses. And speak one to, in other words, you are the subject of conversation. He's talking about, he's talking to Ezekiel about Ezekiel and how the people value Ezekiel. So you're in their mouth. They talk about you. Also thou son of man, the children of thy people still are talking against thee by the walls and in the doors of the houses and speak one to another, everyone to his brother, saying, Come, I pray you, and hear what is the word that cometh forth from the Lord. Come to church with me. This preacher is exciting. This preacher preaches some stuff. Verse 31. And they come unto thee as the people cometh. And they sit before thee as my people. And they hear thy words, but they will not do them. For with their mouth they show much love, but their heart goeth after their covetousness. Verse 32 is what I want you to see. And lo, Thou art unto them as a very lovely song of one that hath a pleasant voice and can play well on an instrument. For they hear thy words, but they do them not. So they were entertained, but they didn't have the proper value attached. 
And we're going to get to it today, and, and, and let's keep our tonight. So let's keep moving forward. But, so we talked about the three categories. We talked about aggressive, open rebellion. Talked about silent rebellion. And omission. Omitting godly authority from what you know to be important decisions in your life. Omitting godly authority. Not seeking them out. Talking to everybody else. But not going to God. Part of the reason we don't value them as we ought to, this is part of the reason. Not always the reason, but part of the reason we don't value them as we ought to, because we think we know. We think we know. This is why we cannot carry the attitude from our jobs into this place. Some of you get mad because you trained the person who's now over you. For my humor, just say amen. So you imparted information and knowledge to them, and now they're over you, and you think, I know as much as they do, I train them. But that's not God's house. I'm not signing off on that attitude. I'm not signing against that attitude. I'm just saying that's not God's house. And when it comes to our family, it's one of the reasons I say it's not even about your house. Uh, some of you wives see your husband do some stupid things. Humor me and say, <laughs> wives are fading now. Some of you seen, come on, we, we know each other. And so when it comes to important decisions, we're like, ah, they don't know this. So I need to take control here. This is not God's house. Again, I'm not criticizing what you do in your house because that's your house. But we're talking about God's house. And he's established a means by which he delivers to you his kindness. His goodness. And he does it through the line of authority. And I'm here to tell you, when you're at that crossroads, when those important things are coming up in your life, you need to seek out and run to godly authority. The line of authority that God has established in this church. And I want to make sure that this is clear. Clarity. I want to make sure this is clear. When the Bible says, know them that labor among you, it's not saying that you need to be best buddies with them. The Bible is not saying that you need to be hanging partners with them. The Bible is not saying that you need to have visited their house or they needed to have visited your house. That's not what it's saying. What the Bible is saying is that you need to recognize that, they're, that they are there for your good. Even if you think that that minister, that pastor has something against you, I'm here to tell you, that's God's servant. And if that's God's servant... They are under command of the Lord to not hold anything against you. This is why this is one of my favorite scriptures. When, when Paul tells Timothy that, hey, when you teach, you've got to teach in meekness even those who oppose themselves. You know they're crazy. And you want to talk bad about them, but, but you've got to teach them in meekness. Why? Because God still wants to give them opportunity. So the servant of God is under command not to hold anything against you, even though they might have a cause to. 
you don't understand this, do you? They are compelled, even against their own will, to do you good. That's what it means to know them. You've got to value them. They're, they are there for you. Now, here, when we see it in Ezekiel, God is saying, now, they're talking good things about your preaching, but they're not, they don't value you that way. Sometimes we can say how good the preacher is, but not value them properly. And without a doubt, when we're talking bad things about them, can you believe they said that one more time? But they asked me that one more Yeah, you don't place proper value on them at that time. But the intent of this is that you start to place proper value. Now, when it comes to the line of authority as well, I want to make sure you understand this. I'm not saying everything that comes up needs to go directly to the pastor. Did you hear me? I'm not saying that everything. That, now, if it's a life or death situation, you know what? You, you need to seek out the past. But what happens if the past is not around? God's line of authority is still in operation. Here's what you do. Here's how things typically go. Well, here's how it goes. We've already talked about that line of authority. We talked about how God now speaks through Christ Jesus. Christ sent the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit ordains pastors but the pastors are if you can receive it the pastors are like the husband in the home the husband then delegates so that the home might feel the purpose so pastors are given and then they delegate and as they delegate God honors how they delegate to speak so one of the fallacies that you need to get over Again, I'm speaking to everybody right now. One of the fallacies you need to get over is your favorite preacher. Your favorite minister. You need to get over that. See, what you are, you're in love with personalities. You haven't learned to value the line of authority. I'm telling you, I can think of times when I was pretty young in the faith. And I thought that I could only hear from certain people. And then when I showed up and they weren't there, God was still present. And I left and I knew God was in the house. That helps your understanding. That I don't need a certain individual there. I don't need a certain individual behind that podium. All I need is to honor and have faith. That God speaks to me through his line of authority. And he truly does. Now, when we do not go to godly authority in the times of heavy decisions, again, this doesn't mean you always have to go directly to pastor. Trust God's line of authority. Now, first you will... Submit yourself under the word. And sometimes, and our pastor said it time and time and time and time again, if you are under the word, if you are obeying the word, if you're doing everything you know to do and you still hit a wall, then you might need some help. Then it's time to call, can I get an audience with you, pastor? And here, 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 I'm going to give you a little extra here, too. And don't get mad if the pastor says, talk to this minister. 
Don't get mad. Don't get upset. Trust in God. <laughs> Again, these scriptures come to my mind. Remember Naaman coming to Elisha and saying, what do you mean coming out here and telling me to wash I thought you would come to me directly, not send a messenger to me. I thought you were going to say some magic words and some incantation. His servant said, boy, please. You're being silly. If God can do it, can he do it in an easy way? So just trust God. Again. Respect, value, God's line of authority. And I'm, talk, I'm talking to people who may not come across or have not come across and lived through hard crossroads. But when those times come, and, and one of the reasons I give this to you is because it's happened before, where people have come to crossroads and they have not sought out spiritual authority. But they come and they sit as God's people. They're here on a regular basis. Associate their face with the church. But in the times of severe needs, they violated authority by omitting authority. I'm telling you, nobody knows like God. Again, we sit here and we say, we're okay, and I hope this is never you. If nothing else, I hope this comes to your mind. If ever you reach that point, you say, who should I go to? You know, go to God. Does going to God mean that I forsake any other intervention? No. That's not what that means at all. That means go to God for the counsel you need. Just like when we talked about Timothy, Paul said, take a little wine for thy stomach's sake. In other words, I can hear him say this to us in this modern day. Do what the doctor said do. Do what the doctor said do. You know, but I don't roll like that. My faith is in there. Do what the doctor said do. So it's not excluding any other input. Sometimes all we need is just the direction. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping I'm getting this to you. Some of us want to come and have our problems resolved right there at that moment. Trust God. Some things don't come immediately. Some things take time. Let me go here too. Trusting the line of authority. One of the things I want to make sure I have... I give you clarity on this when I said that here you are, you come to this point and you have this important crossroads in your life and you sit at home and you pray and you pray and you pray and you wait for God to answer. Let me make sure you understand this. And I said it and I meant it. You're not hearing from God if you don't hear from godly authority. Are you saying I can't hear from God for myself? Um, yeah. Actually, that, that is what I'm saying. Now, here, here's what will happen. If you think you heard from God, and if it was God, you know what the spiritual authority will do? Will confirm that is what you heard was the voice of God. And I will say this as well. What you heard before you got confirmation, you wouldn't have heard if you had not been under spiritual authority to begin with. So am I saying that you cannot hear without the spiritual authority? That's exactly what I'm saying. And this is why I'm so careful when people say, yeah, you pray and then you wait for God to answer. Yes, yeah, some people don't hear clearly. They think they don't need the church to hear from God. You do. 
because that is how God has ordained you hearing his voice. And in the time of trouble, whose voice do you need to hear? You need to hear God. Are you with me? All right. Turn to the book of Genesis, chapter 2. Genesis, chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2, verse 16. And the Lord God commanded the man. He put him under authority. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou, can I say it this way? For in the day that you violate authority, in the day that you violate authority, in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. Lesson number one when it comes to violating authority. If you were to violate authority, there are consequences. There will be after effects. There are consequences. What happens if I violate authority? What's the big deal? There are consequences. There are after effects. In other words, it's going to cost. Listen to me. It's going to cost. Violating authority costs. So if I violate authority through aggressive and open rebellion, it costs. If I violate authority with silent rebellion, it's going to cost. If I violate authority by omitting the input of God's line of authority, it's going to cost. You're still in Genesis chapter 2? Let's look at this in verse 25. All right, so they have been given the command. God teaches them lesson number one. If you violate authority, I don't care how you do it. If you violate authority, it's going to cost. Verse 25 says, and they were both naked. The man and his wife, Adam and Eve, were both naked and were not ashamed. Verse number 1 of chapter 3 says, Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. Now we're going to jump down to verse 6. So this is the beginning of her considering. Okay, maybe I don't have to stick with his plan. Verse number 6 says, And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise. She took of the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also unto her husband with her and he did eat. Wow, again, this gets me. The enemy convinced her that God's just trying to keep you from something. 
God has something good and he doesn't want you to have it. That is so contrary to what we know of our God. But she took the bait. The woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree to be desired to make one wise. She took of the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also unto her husband with her and he did eat. And the eyes of them both were opened. And they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. Change has already come. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord. Everything changes. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where are you? And Adam said, I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid, because I was naked, and I hid myself. Again, here's the thing. You were naked before. But there are consequences when you violate authority. Verse 11, and he said, Who told thee that thou wast naked? Hast thou eaten of the tree whereof I commanded thee that thou shouldest not eat? You see, I see the after effects. I see the consequences. You did what I said not to do. You violated authority. And when you violate authority, it's going to cost. Oh, it's going to cost. It's going to cost you because violating authority defiles. Violating authority defiles. I'm going to touch on that eventually. Maybe not tonight. But it's an amazing thing that you can speak of a washed individual being defiled. It costs you because violating authority defiles. It defiles you if you're the violator. It costs you if you violate authority because violating authority moves the violator away from the faith and holding a good conscience. I hope you see this in Adam and Eve. They violated authority, and suddenly they're defiled. They violated authority, and now where's that conscience? It costs you because violating authority defiles. It costs you because violating authority moves the violator away from the faith and holding a good conscience. It costs you. If you violate authority, because when you violate authority, you should be covered, but you become uncovered. You become uncovered when you violate authority. How do I violate authority? I gave you three categories. Doesn't always have to be the open and aggressive rebellion. It may not even be the silent rebellion. It might be that I'm not even going to them. Now, I want you to understand this. This is something that is interesting. Notice God's remedy for this situation. He puts the woman under authority. Oh, you missed that, didn't you? They violated authority. God's remedy is to put you under authority. (laughs) Let me say that again. You violate authority. 
the remedy is being put under authority. You're not going to get better away from authority. You've got to deal with authority. If you want God's hands on you to make the difference, we've learned this already through the series of this teaching, He established authority for your redemption. Why? Because authority had been violated. And if He's going to be good to you, He's established to be good to you and bring you to redemption and restoration by being under authority. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Ooh, this is going to be interesting. Okay. Uh, Let's just read it. Starting at verse number 2. This passage of Scripture gives many people difficulties. That's fine. We're going to deal with it as much as we need to. Verse 2 says, Now I praise you, brethren, that ye remember me in all things, and keep the ordinances or the traditions as I deliver them to you. This is Paul addressing the churches at Corinth. Now, if you read through Corinthians you understand that they had written Paul some things. And I believe this is in response to one of the things that they had written Paul about or one of the things that had been noised about the churches at Corinth. So he's dealing with issues of their day. He says, Now I praise you, brethren, that you remember me in all things and keep the ordinances as I deliver them to you. But I would have you to know that the head of every man is Christ. And the head of the woman, that is the wife, is the man or her husband. And the head of Christ is God. So he starts to speak, and he comes out the box talking about authority. Okay? Verse 3 again. But I would have you to know that the head of every man is Christ. And the head of the woman is the man, and the head of Christ is God. And every man, verse 4, every man praying or prophesying, having his head covered, dishonoreth his head. But every woman that prayeth or prophesieth with her head uncovered dishonoreth her head. For that is even all, as, all one as if she were shaven. For if the woman be not covered, let her also be shorn. But if it be a shame for a woman to be shorn or shaven, let her be covered. Let me tell you one of the reasons why we have difficulties with this today. It's because we don't like to live like this. We, we, don't, we, don't, we, we see this, tell the truth, we see it as just a male chauvinistic type of society. You don't have to say amen. I'm, I'm telling you what, what goes on. And so we, it doesn't click in our mind. What's the time? Head covered. Head not covered. Well, it's, it's a different society than we live in today. Can I say it this way? I'm, I'm, I'm going to say it plainly to you so you understand. What's going on at this time is that the women were leaving traditions that had been long held among their people. Specifically, the head covering. And so now, oh boy, this is, this is something else. Ah, calm down. We do have liberty in Christ Jesus. We are not under the law. 
And so maybe in their misunderstanding, they say, well, we're free. We're not under the law. All these traditions, they're trying to hold us down. Take this all. And there is no doubt some confusion about that. But they really didn't understand what they were doing. And Paul wanted to bring some clarity. See, they thought they knew. Paul's like, no, you don't know. Let me bring some understanding. Let me counsel you regarding this. Now, now, here's one another reason why this doesn't phase us so much. Brother Martin, you shouldn't step in it like this. I, I will step in it. It is because I see it going on around me today, and I don't know if you see it, and maybe you just call me old and out of touch. Maybe I am old and out of touch, but as long as I'm okay with God, I'm fine being old and out of touch. But what I find is a sensation going on nowadays that we can be tatted up as much as we want to and still proclaim the Lord Jesus Christ. And let me tell you this. When a woman threw off her head covering in that day, it didn't mean she was going to hell. Oh, y'all just looking at me now. If you get tatted up, it doesn't mean you're going to hell. But what are you doing? Here's the thing that gets me about this is, no doubt, and again, we don't have the details of all, but you can tell from the time period that, especially in the churches at Corinth, being surrounded by those citizens of Rome and those that are Greek, that they didn't have such traditions. And so, no doubt, they were looking around seeing other people not holding the traditions that they held on to, and they're like, what's wrong with us? Can't we be more like them? Understand me. I, I, again, clarity. I'm not talking about those of you who got this done before you had any knowledge. I'm talking about people who have knowledge or claim that they do and are getting this done and feel just fine about it. And again, I'm not saying you're going to hell. I'm not even saying, I, I'm not saying that at all. I'm not even saying that you don't know him, but I'm saying you don't know him like you think you know him. What's wrong with that? I mean, I mean it's just art. Uh, okay. Why would I fight to hold on to art instead of holding on to my holiness? Does, not, does that not speak something about my heart? I, 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 y'all, y'all want me to, You're old and out of touch. Okay. And some people will use this excuse, and it is a lie. I'm trying to reach people. No, you're not. That is a bald-faced lie. No, no, they'll receive me, but no, no. You mean I got to be a drug dealer? I got to deal drugs to reach the drug dealer. I got to be a wino to reach the alcoholic. You know that's not true. You know what I hear? Again, scripture just coming to my mind. You know what I hear when people say stuff like that? I hear the so-called sons of lie. Read your Bible. For those of you who don't know what I'm talking about. The angel said, get your family and get out. It's time to separate yourself. Lot goes to reportedly his sons, his son-in-laws, whatever. He said, come on, let's go. And they look at him and said, man, you've been with us. You wear the same tattoos. you got the same nipple rings. Hallelujah. Glory to your name. But now you want to separate. Get out of here. But you say you do those things so you can reach people. 
You haven't heard God. Listen, do what you want to do. Do what you want to do. But I will say this. If that was God who just spoke, and you do contrary to what God just spoke, you just violated authority. And there are consequences. It's going to cost. Amen. I'm sorry. I was talking about 1 Corinthians chapter 11. But that's one of the reasons we can't. And let me tell you this, because I want you to know the enemy has slow walked us down to accepting what the world does as if it's normal nowadays. Because now, oh, don't go there. Don't go there. Amen. Don't go there. I'll, I'll leave it at that. He has slow walked us down over the decades to now we're far from the holiness God would have us to be. We look so much like the world that if we don't wear bracelets, if we don't have t-shirts, if we don't have bumper stickers, the world would never know. Back to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. So the woman at this time have decided to throw away traditions, which is why he says in verse number 2, Now I praise you, brethren, that you remember me in all things and keep the traditions as I deliver them to you. So they were changing practices that had long been held with respect to head coverings. And Paul relates it back to authority. Here's the thing. You got a godly man who has known nothing but women to be having their head covered. And here's his wife now taking liberty to uncover her head. You know what that does for him? Brings him shame. While she celebrates her liberty, the one who is over in authority is put to shame. Wow, again, I, I can't help but... I'm sorry, I, I just got to say stuff, right? You know, I, I try to be not hurt your feelings or anything like that. But long hair on men doesn't mean anything to us nowadays. Back then, um, you're not a Nazarite? You got long hair? Something's wrong with you. Amen. Today, long hair, I don't mean nothing. But that's, that, that, that's where we are today. So we have a woman having her head uncovered, shaming her husband. And at that day, long hair on a man was a shame, and no hair on a woman at that time was a shame. Now let's read it with that understanding. Verse 2. Now I praise you, brethren, that you remember me in all things and keep the traditions as I deliver them to you. But I would have you to know that the head of every man is Christ, and the head of the woman is the man, and the head of Christ is God. Every man praying or prophesying, having his head covered, dishonoreth his head. Who's his head? Christ. So a man putting that off, 
is now bringing dishonor to Christ. Verse 5. But every woman that prayeth or prophesieth with her head uncovered dishonoreth or puts to shame her head. Who's her head? Her husband. For that is even all one as if she were shaven because it was a shame for a woman to have no hair in that time. So for you to just to flippantly throw off this tradition, putting your husband to shame is like you being a, a woman openly in shame that he married. Verse 6. For if the woman be not covered, let her also be shorn. But if it be a shame, which it was, for a woman to be shorn or shaven, let her be covered. Again, we're just talking about what he's talking about here. He's relating back their practices of covering and uncovering to authority. Now, I want you to know we are the bride of Christ. And in this relationship, <laughs> he is the groom. We are the bride. And the thing about this that gets me is that no one made them to take the covering off. They took it off of their own will. Not knowing what they were doing. But Paul says, I, I got to make sure you understand. It's not right for you to do this. So by casting away her covering, she is in essence declaring that she's not under her husband's authority. Or she doesn't care. Are you with me? So to leave the line of authority God has established is to go from covered, as the woman in this example, to uncovered. To leave, to violate the line of authority in God's house is the same as you, like these women, throwing your covering off. Not really recognizing what you're doing. And here's the thing. God's not removing our covering. We're taking our covering off of our own will. Not comprehending what we're doing. We step into foolish pride. This is when we lean to our own understanding. So whether it be aggressive rebellion, silent rebellion, our omission, we throw off our covering. Tyler Whitfield, come up here for me, please. Taylor Martin, come up here for me, please. I, I want to show you an example. Now, while they come up here, I want you to remember there are benefits for being under authority. On the way up here, please. These are going to be my bodyguards. Face the crowd. Stand here. So you're protecting me right now, okay? All right, so you remember the benefits of authority? Dunamis on your side. Remember the benefits? Needs are met. Remember the benefits? Provision. Remember the benefits? Wisdom. Remember the benefits? Peace. That's your security detail. 
just like these bodyguards for me right now. This is my rod and my staff. They comfort me. So as long as I stay under authority, I got the security detail covering me. So when I take a step to the right, and over here, when I took a step to the right, now I'm at a situation where my strength is not enough. But because I stayed under authority, I got my security detail, and I got dunamis on my side. I'm going to take another step to the right. I know I missed you, Brother Hart. But because I stay under authority, now when I take another step to the right, now I get in a situation where I don't know what to do. God help me, but because I stayed under authority, his rod and his staff, they comfort me. Now I got wisdom on my side. I'm going to take two steps to the left. Now, as long as I stay under authority, and I get to two steps to the left, and I find a troubling situation, a hard situation to deal with. It is turning people's stomach. They don't know what to do, but I got peace. Because his rod and his staff, they comfort me. Now, what happens if I decide, you know what, I got a hard situation in my life, but pastor don't know nothing about this. So, y'all stay there and I come over here. Guess what I just did? Now I'm on my own. Now I'm leaning on my own. God didn't cast me out. I decided to throw my covering off, not really recognizing what I was doing. I mean, after all, this is a medical condition, right? And after all, I've been studying medicine for a while. And I've done and Googled everything. I know everything there is to know about. No, no, this is a financial situation. You know, and they don't understand my financial situation. No, they haven't been where I've been. They don't understand. And so I'll omit them. But now, his rod and his staff are no longer with me. Thank you. Thank you, gentlemen. You understand what I'm saying? You put yourself out from under the covering. God's not throwing you out. Now, here's the thing about it. God wants to be there for you. God wants to be there. Turn to Psalms 81. God's not taking the power from you. He's not taking the provision away from you. He's not taking the peace away from you. He's not taking the wisdom away from you. This is why I'm telling you. I, I said this last time, and I don't know if you caught it or not. Some of you are in hard situations and wonder how you got there. It's because you left the security detail he established for you, which was found when you remained under authority in God's house. You hear me? We're not talking about any other institution. We're talking about God's house. You leave where you had access. And all God wants to do is to be good to you. Wow. Again, don't you hear these scriptures? If he offered up his only son, how will he not also with him freely? Freely. Don't you hear the scriptures say, if any man lack wisdom and you've stayed under authority, let him ask of God who gives liberally. He's not trying to hold anything back from you. My God is a sun and shield. He will not withhold any good thing from them that walk uprightly. Don't submit. That's your option. 
omit godly authority from your important decisions. That's your choice. But violating authority has consequences. Remember, it costs. The cost is you lose your security detail. You lose access to that wisdom. See, this, this is how you get in these situations now. This is why people are frustrated, even in the church. Even coming on a regular basis, but frustrated. Other people sitting right next to you, and the joy of the Lord is their strength. And you are sitting there like, why can't I get it together? It's not because God didn't want you to have it together. You stepped out from where you should have been. Psalm 81. Violate authority. And it will cost. Psalm 81. Let's start at verse 4. Please hear the heart of God. Hear the heart of God in this. For this was a statute for Israel. And a law of the God of Jacob. This he ordained in Joseph for testimony. When he went out through the land of Egypt, where I heard a language that I understood not, I removed his shoulder from the burden. His hands were delivered from the pots. Thou callest in trouble, and I delivered thee. I answered thee in the secret place of thunder. I proved thee at the waters of Meribah. Salah. Verse 8. Hear, O my people. And I will testify unto thee, O Israel, if thou wilt hearken unto me. There shall no strange God be in thee, neither shall thou worship any strange God. I am the Lord thy God, which brought thee out of the land of Egypt. Hear his heart. Open thy mouth wide, and I will fill it. Do you hear God here? I'm sorry, this is sweet talk. Like, baby, I want to be your only one. No one can do you like I do you. No one can provide for you like I provide for you. No one can protect you like I protect you. No one's going to be there for you in the times of trouble like I'm going to be there for you. Open your mouth wide and I will fill it. Verse 11. But my people would not hearken to my voice. And Israel would none of me. God says they wouldn't let me. God said they wouldn't allow me. I wanted to be good to them. I wanted to be their defender. I wanted to be their provider. I wanted to be their healer. But they wouldn't let me. But my people would not hearken to my voice, and Israel would none of me. So I gave them up unto their own heart's lust. You hear? God's like, I didn't throw them away. They refused me. I wasn't their heart's desire, so I gave them up to what their heart's desire. Oh, that my people had hearkened unto me, and Israel had walked in my ways. I'm sorry, verse 12 again. So I gave them up unto their own heart's lust, and they walked in their own counsel. See, they leaned on their own understanding. Oh, that my people had hearkened unto me, and Israel had walked in my ways. I should soon 
have subdued their enemies and turned my hand against their adversaries. Do you hear God? It costs them. Listen to this. When you violate authority, it costs you. It costs you. You shut out. Oh, my goodness. Some of you. Uh, again, I shouldn't go here, should I? Maybe not some of you. Some people out there in the world are married to somebody that they now love, but every now and then they look back and they think, man, I should have married. And God says, I'm right here for you. You didn't choose the right one. You chose the wrong one. It cost you. But understand this. Did you hear anything we said before? What was his answer? What was his remedy to violating authority? You getting under authority. Why? Because that's where his goodness is. That's where his kindness is. That's where his peace is. That's where his wisdom is. That's where the protection is. Get under authority. Because if you don't, I can hear the old song. Oh, what peace. We often forfeit. Oh, what needless pains we bear. All he wants to do is be good. So violate authority, it costs. It costs you, and it costs others. And I'm going to stop right there. And we're going to start to find out how it costs others. Amen. This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.net.